most people, when they go into a hotel, a motel, or an office building today, generally have no idea whether they have to dial an access code like 9 first, whether they should just dial 911. And that's especially tragic when you think about the fact that 911 is perhaps the best branded number in the United States. Every child, every adult knows that when you're in trouble, call 911 and someone will be able to help you. And if that's not the case, then hotels and office buildings, then we need to do something to change that. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Craig Williams coming to you from a very sunny but chilly Southern California, nowhere near as cold as it is for my co-host Bob Ambrosi, who's off today. And I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court. Before we introduce today's topic, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Clio, an online practice management software program for lawyers at goclio.com. Today we're going to be talking about the need for Universal 911. A recent article in the Los Angeles Times announced that the FCC has launched an inquiry into the need for Universal 911. This inquiry follows the death of a woman whose child was unable to dial 911 from a hotel because the phone first required the user to dial 9 to get an outside line. The woman's father started a petition demanding direct dialing for all phone systems. Today, the issue has the attention of government officials at both state and national levels. Joining us today from the Federal Communications Commission is FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai. Prior to his current role with the FCC, Commissioner Pai has an impressive career as a trial attorney for the United States Department of Justice, an Associate General Counsel for Verizon Communications, and Deputy General Counsel for the Federal Communications Commission. Welcome, Commissioner Pai. Thank you. And we also have Hank Hunt. Hank has gathered over 400,000 signatures for his petition, and we thank him for taking time to join us today. Thank you. As we start out this, can you kind of describe what Universal 911 is, why there's such a problem with it, and what it was that made you decide to start the petition and to make this change? Well, uh, Universal 911 or Enhanced 911 systems, I'm not fully up on the tech end of it. Uh, I do know that they are supposed to be direct dial to 911 dispatchers, and uh, the new enhanced versions will give 911 dispatchers the uh, uh, address, uh, floor number, and room number of wherever that telephone may be in any building. I know in some hotels uh, that I've visited, there are no instructions on how to dial 911, or there are instructions to dial a 9 first, or an 8, or to dial 66, or to dial the front desk. There's nothing consistent, and especially at hotels, and that's what we're seeking to change. My nine-year-old granddaughter tried four times. She was in the in the room while this was happening with her younger sister and younger brother. And after the fourth try, she got them outside the room. And the neighbor next door was able to call 911 for them. It's a tragic, tragic situation, and we're just tremendously sorry for that situation and your losses. Hank, are there any organizations other than you helping you put this together? Yes, there's uh, Mark Fletcher with Avaya Corporation in New Jersey. He has been a tremendous help, along with Commissioner Pye from the FCC. We have come up with a logo uh, for a no nine needed symbol. He has really spread the word, and um, even up in Canada, he has interjects the story into his conferences where he goes. I believe he's in L.A. today. 
Excellent. And Commissioner Pai, what has been the response from the public and, and what is the FCC doing at this point? The response has been tremendous, and I should say first off that Hank deserves tremendous credit for bringing this to uh, the nation's attention. I think he's a great example of that old aphorism that one man with courage makes a majority, and because of his efforts and the efforts of uh, people like Mark Fletcher, this issue is becoming something that everyone is becoming increasingly aware of. And from my own perspective, you know, I took an interest in it not just because you know one of the core FCC responsibilities is ensuring the safety of life and of property, but also because, uh, you know, I'm a parent and I want uh, my kids to be able to dial 911 with the confidence that they will be able to reach somebody who can help them in that moment of need. And tragically, uh, Mr. Hunt's granddaughter wasn't able to do that. And uh, I think there was a great opportunity to raise awareness of this issue. And that's what I've tried to do by initiating an inquiry a few weeks ago in which I sent a letter to the CEOs of the top 10 hotel chains in the United States and asked them just for the basic facts. Uh, you know, when someone dials 911 in one of your rooms, what happens? You know, do they get static? Does it go to the front desk? Do they connect directly with trained emergency personnel? Those are facts that we simply don't know. And I think that most people, when they go into a hotel, a motel, or an office building today, generally have no idea whether they have to dial an access code like 9 first, whether they should just dial 911. And that's especially tragic when you think about the fact that 911 is perhaps the best branded number in the United States. Every child, every adult knows that when you're in trouble, call 911 and someone will be able to help you. And if that's not the case, and hotels and office buildings, and we need to do something to change that. Hank, beyond the inquiry that the FCC has initiated in the cooperation from, you know, from Avaya, what, uh, what kind of changes do you want to see come out of the petition? What I'd like to see is uniformity, especially as Commissioner Price said, he, he has a family, he has young children. Families take vacations across this country daily, all year long, and they stay in different hotels and different uh, locations. And you cross a state line and you may be able to dial 911, but 200 miles later, you have to dial a 66. Or if you do dial 911, it redirects you to the front desk. And that's time wasting. And uh, I believe in Delaware, a city in Delaware, they're actually looking at it as an interference with a 911 call. And in my opinion, that's exactly what it is it's interference with a 911 call. I know the technology is there in a lot of phone systems already. And it's just a matter of programming, not necessarily purchasing anything. Ajit, it sounds like Delaware is almost making it into a crime. What is interference with 911? What, what is the concept behind that? Well, I think in terms of the solution, I think the basic problem is that a lot of these multi-line telephone systems, or MLTS, uh, some of them are older, and they don't contemplate that someone would be dialing 911 and want to directly access a public safety answering point, or PSAP. But especially for some of the newer systems, it's just a matter of reprogramming. And so if a hotel owner, for example, is aware of this issue, then he or she can, with relative ease, uh, reprogram that MLTS system and make sure that the appropriate steps are taken so that someone is directly connected to the PSAP, that location information is transmitted along with that call and so forth. And so what we found is in places you know, not far from where Mr. Hunt is in Lubbock, Texas, and you know, down the road, there are a couple of other hotel owners who have heard about the story and have taken steps on their own to solve the problem without the need to buy expensive technology or you know, hire somebody to take care of it. It's generally a pretty easy fix once you're aware of it, if your system can be reprogrammed in that manner. And what are the legal consequences of having a non-functioning 911 system at your hotel? What are the legal consequences? 
It really depends. I mean, as a matter of FCC law, there isn't a lot in terms of uh, liability that would attach to that kind of failure. But you know, obviously, in terms of contract and tort law, there might be other issues that are involved. But it really depends on the particular situation, uh, the laws of the state, and, and uh, in which the hotel or the office building is sited, and uh, and so forth. But you know, at this point, we're hopeful that even without the prod of uh, legal liability either from an FCC or you know, private perspective, that hotels and office building owners will do the right thing and try to you know, reprogram the systems as appropriate to make sure that people are able to directly access emergency personnel. Hank, have there been any legal consequences that have arisen out of your situation? As far as the hotel, no, sir. What kind of legal consequences do you want to see for people that know about this but don't fix it? That would be something that I guess would be up for debate. I'm really not, not versed in, in that kind of thing. I would like to see it in the fire code, locally and nationally. And then there would be the, the fire code fines and whatever that might occur should that not happen. But I think any phone at a restaurant, I asked them how they did it, and you have to go and get a four-digit code from the manager, and it changes daily in order to dial out. If something were to happen where they immediately needed to get to a telephone and dial 911, they would have no idea how to. And I understand that cell phones are out there, in an emergency, the first thing most people do is run straight to the phone and dial 911. And uh, I may not be thinking that there's a, an additional line that needs to be added to that. There's no number to be dialed. This is what happened in my granddaughter's case. Ajit, I guess the FCC is at present in the fact-gathering mode. Is that how you see it? That's correct. The inquiry is still ongoing, and uh, I asked the uh, hotel chains to uh, report back to me by February 14th, and uh, we've received some initial and positive feedback from both the trade association that represents a lot of uh, hotels and uh, some of the individual hotel chains themselves. And so I'm hopeful that by February 14th or shortly thereafter, we'll have a better sense of what exactly the nature of this problem is. Is it ubiquitous? Is it relatively isolated? Are there certain best practices that some companies are using? And I think once we have the basic facts, we'll be in a better position to figure out how to address the problem. What do you see as the possible options for the FCC in terms of taking? Obviously, you can adopt a regulation. You can recommend some laws to Congress. What kinds of steps do you think the FCC is going to be taking? What's your anticipation? Well, I certainly haven't prejudged the issue at all. It might simply be an issue of awareness, in which case, you know, I will do my part, and I know I have the support of my colleagues in beating the drum to make sure that everybody knows about the importance of this issue. Because what we found, as I hinted at earlier, is that in a lot of these cases, awareness is the best tonic to solving the problem. Because, you know, any hotel owner who is aware of the problem doesn't want an emergency like this, such as the one that happened to Carrie Hunt Dunn, to happen in their hotels. And so, that would be one possible solution. But other people have proposed uh, different solutions as well. And there are options such as the type you mentioned, either uh, you know, regulation or making recommendations to Congress. And since we're still in the fact-gathering mode, I haven't predetermined what course uh, I or the FCC should take. But what I can say is that you know, we're committed to solving this problem. And what happened to Mr. Hunt's granddaughter just shouldn't happen to anybody else in this country, given how you know, robust our 911 infrastructure is and how widespread acceptance of 911 is in this country. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. Hank, what kind of reaction have you gotten from the local state governments? Apparently, you've gotten a major attention here from the FCC, but how about the individual states? As far as government officials, I haven't heard from anyone but Mr. Pai. Mr. Gomert, my representative for the District 1 here in Texas, has spoken on television in support of it. But as far as personally hearing from anyone... 
I haven't heard. And to, to add a little bit to Commissioner Pye's comments about awareness, I was at a hotel this past weekend in Lovac, Arkansas, and the manager and the clerk there did not know whether you had to dial a nine first or not. And the thing of it is, I tested it. I called the notified first, so I'm not going to test it, and you don't have to dial a nine. It was just 911. But yet the hotel manager did not know that, and I think that's where the awareness comes in. The majority of the people signing on this petition are saying just that thing, is I did not know you couldn't dial 911 from a hotel, which, I mean, in some you can now, but the majority of the people just don't know. Yeah, frankly, it surprised me. It's not a situation that I'd ever seen before. Have you contacted any of the phone companies or the phone manufacturers, Panasonic and, and others, to say, hey, you need to make this change in your programming? Well, I think the change is there as the technology progresses. I know that some phone systems at 10 to 15 years old are capable of doing it, not necessarily the full function of an E911 system. But the office building that I work in is built in the 80s, and our programmer has programmed it to dial 911 straight to the dispatcher. But it will not give them the location of that phone, which is something that we aim for in the future. This isn't something that we're looking for to happen overnight. Obviously, it's going to take a while. But even if we can't get a law, maybe just the public pressure. I heard someone say one time that laws were created when ethics fail. And I just don't think ethics have failed that much in this country. Well, before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsor. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in, less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams. And with me today is FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai and Hank Hunt who's the grandfather of the little girl who tried to dial 911 at a hotel and was unsuccessful in doing so. Well, Commissioner, we've been talking about some of the programming and the regulations. Is it appropriate for the FCC to draft a regulation that requires the manufacturer of phones to provide enhanced 911 and a direct line for a 911 phone call, or is that already the law? So generally speaking, what Mr. Hunt says is correct, that the technology that is being deployed now already incorporates that kind of functionality. And so it's generally just a case of the particular purchaser you're making the programming change in that technology. And you know, one of the good examples that happened down the road from where he is in Marshall, Texas, was a woman named C.J. Clayton, uh, who operates the Stabridge Suites in Longview, Texas. And, you know, as she said, they have an integrated 911 system, but they had to dial 9 first to get an outside line because 
because no one had ever made them aware of this issue. And so in that case, as is the case in a lot of hotels, I suspect, across the country, again, it's just simply a case of awareness. And as she said, you know, once she heard about Mr. Hunt's situation, she called up her corporate office and said, look, you need to reprogram this immediately. And that's exactly what they did. So in those kinds of cases, you wouldn't need an FCC regulation uh, to solve the problem. But again, as I said, you know, to the extent that one of the FCC's core responsibilities under the Communications Act is public safety in communications, then you know, certainly we have uh, some jurisdiction in this area. And I think that you know, it's incumbent on us to use it to the extent we have to, to make sure the problem is solved. Right. And I think that you're both saying essentially that this is really more of a problem of awareness, because as soon as people find out about it, they're quick to change it and they get it and they understand it and they don't want to have this kind of situation arise again. And they're doing everything possible. So, Ajit, what kind of public service campaign, as an adjunct to the 911 branding that we've undergone, what kind of a public service campaign do we need to be able to get this word out to, I'm assuming that these are mostly hotels and businesses and manufacturing, more on the, on the commercial side of the phone usage? It's a challenge. I mean, obviously, there are so many issues that are in the public square every day that are demanding people's attention. But one of the things I've tried to do and that Mr. Hunt has done much better than I ever could is uh, using every forum possible to bring this issue to people's attention. And whether it's this podcast, whether it's a press release, whether it's a statement, uh, whether it's sending a letter to all these CEOs and then publishing the results, whether it is making speeches, as I did last Thursday, in which, you know, I pointed out that this is still one gap in our 911 functionality. Um, just to give you some context, the FCC last week was voting on a proposal to make text to 911 more common. This is sort of the next generation of 911 capability. And I pointed out that that's very important, and I'm certainly supportive of it, but we need to fix the 911 basics, you know, that basic functionality that a lot of us take for granted in some cases wrongly. So from my own small bully pulpit, you know, I intend to use all the sources of media that are at my disposal to make sure that people know about this issue. And uh, I think in combination with you know, the great work that Hank is doing, that uh, Mark Fletcher is doing, and really intrepid reporters are doing digging into this issue, I'm pretty convinced that you know, as more people become aware of the issue, they're going to realize that these issues matter and that action needs to be taken. And Hank, you earlier in the podcast made a comment that people all across the country travel frequently and they go from hotel to hotel to hotel. And the one thing I've noticed, because I'm a grandfather too, the one thing I've noticed as I've gotten older is that the world's gotten a little bit smaller and we tend to travel to Europe and to South America and to Asia and Russia and other countries. What's the status of those? I mean, I know there's a million different countries and it's a very broad question, but when Americans travel to other countries, what kind of expectations should we have for being able to contact emergency services in a foreign country? Uh, when in Rome, I guess. I haven't done much research on that as far as uh, other countries. What I'm doing here is daunting enough for an old fellow like me here in Texas. And, uh, about that. I do know that I believe the European Emergency Association has, a, I believe it's 112 that they dial. I'm not quite sure on that. But I do know that they are implementing or have implemented uh, emergency numbers similar to the 911 system that we have here. And uh, I would tend to believe they had the same problems there as, as we do. So, Hank, have you gotten any calls to get out on the lecture circuit and talk about this? Or is this something you're doing from your home and shaking your fist as much as you can? Uh, yes, I've been in, invited tentatively to several conferences in Dallas and Galveston and uh, Michigan and even then suggested that I go to Warsaw, Poland to speak 
there. I guess one one two or nine one one emergency systems uh, dispatchers over there. That's fantastic! So it's amazing. It's, it's amazing the amount of response that, that we've gotten. I, I initially wanted to get a hundred signatures and take it to my congressman to show him how how strong my petition was, and uh, we're cracking in on half a million. And there's no way we could have done that without Commissioner Pine, without Mr. Fletcher. If I could just chime in, Mr. Hunt is always too kind, I and mean, he's really the driving force behind this. And you know, I'm just privileged to you know, have a position of responsibility where I can try to heighten awareness of the issue myself. If I could add just one quick point on the international situation, uh, one of the difficulties, in addition to the fact that some places like Europe have the 112 system, uh, there are some countries where there's not a single 911 line. So, for example, in India, I just recently read a story about the fact that every type of emergency that you might have requires a different helpline. So the police emergency helpline is 100. For fire, it's 101. For an ambulance, it's 102. For traffic accidents, it's 103. There are different lines for senior citizens, for women and children. It is a complete mess. And so I think one of the significant advantages that we should be mindful of here in the United States is that we do have general acceptance of 911 as the general framework around uh, emergency response. And that, I think, is going to be a tremendous asset. And hopefully, whatever we end up doing with respect to you know, the issue of MLTS, uh, we can sort of export. So the world over, you know, we don't have to have see the situation replicated so many different times in so many countries. And Ajit, I'm going to put a little bit of a finger on you here. I read in the beginning of the introduction that you were a former general counsel for Verizon Communications. Right. Have you reached out to them? I haven't yet about this particular issue, but uh, as time goes on, depending on what the response is uh, that we get from the hotel chains on February 14th, I certainly want to you know, talk to them extensively because they interact quite often with the public safety answering points around the country, and uh, you know, they might have some really good suggestions on uh, ways to move forward, and uh, they're going to be a part of the conversation, uh, to be sure. Excellent. And I'd also encourage you to make those inquiries and send out those inquiry letters to the manufacturers of the phone systems, you know, obviously AT&T, Verizon, Avaya, Panasonic, and I'm sure there are a number of others. Not necessarily because, as, as Hank and you have both reported, to make any changes to the systems, but more to ensure that there's public awareness of the consequences of the programming of those systems after they get out. Absolutely. And one of the heartening things that I found in our initial conversations with some of these manufacturers is that they really have a strong interest in getting this right, too, because they know that their technology can save lives, and they certainly don't want to be the reason why this problem doesn't get solved. And so, you know, thus far, at least, they've been very supportive of this effort, and I'm really excited to work with them uh, to get it solved. Excellent. Well, we've just about reached the end of our program where it's time to wrap up and get your final thoughts. So, Hank, what I'd like to do is turn the microphone over to you, and I'd like you to do a few things here. Give us your final thoughts. Tell us where we can find the petition. I understand it's on change.org. And also provide our listeners a means of reaching out to you and assisting you if, if we've gotten anybody that's listening to this podcast that's motivated to help solve this problem so we don't have more situations like your granddaughter faced. I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, thank you, and thank you, Commissioner Pye, for being here today. The look in my granddaughter's face when she told me that she tried and it didn't work made me feel like a failure myself because we teach our children to dial 911. We teach our children to trust police officers, and on the side of those police officers' cars in the United States, it says dial 911. It doesn't say dial 9911. We don't teach them to dial an extra number, or we don't teach them to try to find the instructions for the phone to find out how to get help. We teach them to dial 911. I think, in my personal opinion, and of course, I'm kind of biased at the point now because I've had 
had to hit pretty close to home. But I just think that it should be a consistent thing across the country. And uh, I think branding it somehow, some way, uh, my vision was maybe using it, that symbol or another symbol in hotels that do have these systems. They can use it in their advertising. So if people traveling sees these, they know that they have hotels that will dial 911 directly. If other people agree, then we have a petition at change.org slash Harry's Law, K-A-R-I-S. L-A-W, and you can contact me through that website, and you can also contact Mr. Pai, and he can get in touch with me or vice versa. Thank you very much. And Commissioner Pai, we'll turn it over to you. Well, first, I want to say just thank you once again for having me on the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate your and your listeners' interest in this issue. And yeah, thanks again to Mr. Hunt. As I said, you know, from where he started uh, six weeks ago to where we are now, it's just a tremendous example of citizen action. So we, I really appreciate uh, what he's doing. In terms of getting in touch with me, I try to make myself as accessible and responsive as possible. And uh, you can always find me on email, ajit.pi at fcc.gov is my email address. I'm also uh, pretty active on Twitter, and my Twitter handle, for those of you who use Twitter, is at AjitPaiFCC. That's A-J-I-T-P-A-I-F-C-C. And uh, I'm pretty uh, responsive on any of those formats. So if any of you have suggestions on things you think we should be doing, uh, examples of situations that could have been avoided in terms of uh, direct access to 911, definitely let me know. And I can tell you that it doesn't just go into the ether. I really take this stuff seriously. And uh, again, I I really do mean it when I say that uh, I want to be a public servant in the real sense of the word, accessible, responsive, and hopefully someone who gets results. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for both being on the program. The time is now flipped over to me to give you 30 seconds to share my closing thoughts before I'm cut off by the buzzer. So here we go. Hank, I have to tell you as a grandfather myself, I can't imagine what you've gone through and and the frustration that you felt. And I'm so proud of you for reaching out and making these steps to make these changes. I'll let you know that you had a direct effect on me. I have a 911 system in my home, a business 911 system. I tested it when I read the article about you and it did not work. But I can guarantee you that it works now. And my four grandchildren, when they get here this year, We'll be able to dial 911 if it happens. So thank you for making a difference in my life. That's one, Commissioner Pye. Hey, one down, many more to go. You got one. (laughs) But it's the start. It's the way that things happen. And thank you so much for taking the time with us today to join us. And we want to invite our listeners to come back and listen to us again. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi for their next podcast covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.